Well, good morning, church. Morning. God is good. And all the time. God is good. Amen. You know, it's interesting. Uh, they always say if you're an acting, never share the stage with dogs and with kids. Well, they say the same thing with preaching, except you're not supposed to share uh, preaching duties with potluck. It just doesn't work out that way. <laughs> so I'm very, uh, very aware that, uh, and I, I'm aware that you guys are aware uh, that we have tables in the back, that there's food in the back. So there's a table behind us, there was sort of a table in the middle of service. And there'll be a table at the end, so that's uh, that's good. I promise I'll, I'll get you there as quickly as I can. Um, let's dine a little bit on uh, the Word of God, though. Is that all right? Yeah. All right, so the story of redemption. Uh, we as a, a, as a church have been going through a process uh, most recently, um, really trying to rebuild momentum for 2019. Uh, and that process has, has, done, has basically taken us through three significant focuses. The first one is we are doing our best to discover our vision. We think we've got a pretty good handle on that now. Uh, the second thing we are doing is uh, developing a way to make disciples. Not the way to make disciples, as if there's only one, but a way to make disciples, because being intentional is important. And then finally, by uh, really deepening our spiritual rhythms, making sure that what we're doing as a church flows out of where we're going, right? So making sure, essentially, that um, decisions we make, directions we go, things we do, are furthering what we're trying to accomplish. Just, it just makes sense that way. So, uh, I want to draw your attention first and foremost to um, our website. Um, I'm going to have uh, Tracer do it uh, in a much better way than I have it right now. Uh, but right now, it's been sort of set up as a resource for us. I want to kind of step us through a couple of things on our, on our website. Right at the very beginning, you can see, of course, uh, a church family loving a small town. Um, the way it's set up right that uh, is because on your phone, most people interact with us first on their phone. Uh, you have to kind of put everything right in the middle. So it's a little less uh, fancy than it should be, and I'm sure our, our web expert will fix that when, when we get to it. Um, but this is, uh, this is letting everyone know. Do you know that your church and your city wants to know that you're up to something? Your city wants to know that you're up to something. Uh, because most of the time, most, most cities think we're just kind of up to our own thing. And so it's important for our city to know that we're up to something. So our vision's right there on the, on the front page. Uh, one step in, of course, you have a, uh, a mission, what our mission is all about. Uh, we are a church family doing what? Loving a small town. Okay. We are a church family doing what? Loving a small town. Awesome. The way we go about loving that small town is by building relationships, 
belonging to small groups, bringing ourselves and another person or others to church on Sunday, become, uh, becoming disciples, and blessing our city. That's how a church family loves a small town. We build, belong, bring, become, and bless. And so there's some links there to kind of explain what we're up to. Um, another page that we have on, and this is one that's been updated recently. I encourage you all to, to check it out. Um, this is our Who We Are uh, sort of page. It has some core uh, thoughts. It has our values that we've just gone over in our series, um, some core convictions, um, our explanation of inclusion with women in our church, as well as probably about uh, a four or five page explanation from Scripture uh, explaining how God has used uh, women from the very beginning of the time uh, and, and will all the way through uh, to completion. Um, and so I encourage you to look at those things. Um, and then we also have a what you can expect page. I didn't put it on the slide here. Um, so people can read and see, hey, what kind of church am I going to experience when I show up? And, and then, of course, we have our discipleship resource page. Uh, this explains sort of the curriculum that we're using to make disciples. Uh, we have a discipleship 101 course, Living God's Love. We're learning about God's story, right? Discipleship 201, which is how do I fit into the story? How does my unique place in the story, what is my part, uh, what is my shape? Uh, discipleship 301 is dealing with our hurts, habits, and hang-ups that we have uh, in our own story, right? Um, and then finally, what we're getting to this morning is discipleship 401, which is how we share the story. So what is the story? What is my part? How do I fix my hurts, habits, and hang-ups within the story? And how do I share that story with other people? Um, and that leads us to this. That leads us to this. Um, these are dad jokes. Anybody, uh, well, you know, a good dad joke is one that Jeremy shared with us. Uh, uh, that's kind of a preacher joke, but it's a, it's a dad joke as well. Um, these are dad jokes, but these are the punchlines for the dad joke. Uh, let's see, you boil the heck out of it. Uh, they were cooked in grease. It's impossible to put down. Hilarious, right? Have you ever noticed that punchlines, apart from the narrative, don't really punch at all? You ever notice that if you get the answer without understanding the formula, it's just sort of orienting? Everyone understands those words. Everyone sees, you know, uh, they, they recognize words. They, they see how the sentence flows. But it doesn't really matter because if you don't have the rest of the joke, it just doesn't have any effect. The reason I bring this up is because I believe this is the challenge that we face in evangelism today. I believe this is the challenge that you and I will have uh, sharing uh, the story of God with other people. Um, the, or at least I, I, that's the challenge I hope we learn to overcome by sharing the story of God with other people. I see a lot of people, the way they approach discipleship is uh, delivering the gospel apart from a context for people to understand. And so you can talk about the death and burial and resurrection. You can talk about what Jesus has done. And unfortunately, in our culture today, it doesn't have the same punch that it used to for a lot of different reasons. Oh, by the way, I won't leave you hanging, right? Uh, you boil the heck out of it. What was that? Let's see. Uh, how do you make holy water? Um, they were cooked in grease. Oh, yeah. Did you know that French fries were actually cooked or weren't actually cooked in France? They were cooked in grease. Uh, and then, of course, this is uh, this is Merlin's book. 
Um, it's impossible to put down. What do you mean? I've been reading a book about anti-gravity. Right? Once you add the story, once you add the rest of it, all of a sudden the punchline begins to make sense. Right? It may not be funny, but it still makes sense. Right? Uh, and the same is true when it comes to the gospel. Without the context, without the story, the gospel, the, what Jesus has done sometimes falls on deaf ears. In fact, if we're not aware of that, if we're not cautious of that, we have a tendency to assume there's something wrong with the ears. We have a tendency to assume maybe it wasn't my delivery of the joke. It was obviously them. They didn't have a good sense of humor. Sometimes we end up judge, judging the, the hearers of the word instead of evaluating how we present it. And I think it's very important that we, we, we caution ourselves from that because a lot of people are doing it. How many of you guys know who Francis Chan is? Right? I love Francis Chan. I know you love Francis Chan. Um, Francis Chan is one of my favorite speakers. I, I got a chance to see him a couple times in California. Uh, he built a, uh, a mega church. Uh, and then gave it all up and said, I need to go do house churching. House churching. I need to go build house churches. Um, because the megachurch model became too uh, consumeristic instead of actual uh, converting people to Christ. It converted them to a really cool church. And uh, while that does make your numbers grow, sometimes it actually distances people further from Jesus. So he said, I can't do this. Can't be about this. He goes and begins to plant church and becomes wildly successful as well. If you ever heard this guy, you know why. He has so much charisma. It is, and not just that it's his charisma, but he's got a ton of charisma. He's got a ton of ethos. And when he speaks, people listen. He's the guy that could persuade you to move to Alaska for the summers, right? He's, he's just that good at communicating. And, uh, and yet... At a recent, uh, upon a recent uh, missionary trip, he came back from Asia, um, and where he had tremendous success sharing the gospel with people, and he was just blown away by how quickly people in Asia were responding to the gospel. And he said, on the flight back, you can read about this online. He says to his wife, "I feel like I need to go and fish where the fish are biting." Um, and then he goes on to say some things like, and it seems like the pond where he's at, the fish aren't biting anymore. And then he, he references this passage in 2 Corinthians 4, 16. It says, whether we have, uh, I'm going to read it up here. Whether we have renounced secret and shameful ways, we do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Uh, Church Leaders Magazine goes on to reference this and say, This passage, says Ken, convicted him that instead of preaching the truth plainly, he was too concerned with offending people. But that is not the example we see in Jesus, who asked his followers to be willing to be nailed to a cross. If people reject, said Chan, it's not because we need to be more clever about how we communicate. It is because they are blind to how worthy he is. I realized for years we keep trying different types of bait, but the truth is the fish 
just aren't fighting it. They're blinded. The, the remarks are, are startling to me for a number of levels, but probably the most is because he's been wildly successful. He has been, uh, he has been good and has effectively drawn thousands of people to Jesus. And yet he feels as if things are becoming more blind. Well, it's interesting. I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that our culture and society is moving further and further away from the biblical story. Um, people don't know their Bibles, y'all. <laughs> they don't know the story. They don't know the context. Um, they, they, they have a, an experience with grandma and grandpa when they come to church. Uh, at most, they, they just don't know the big narrative anymore. It used to. You used to be able to just present the, the punchline because everyone was reading the joke. Now people aren't reading the context. And so when the, the, the gospel is delivered, there's, there's no punch because they're, they're just not understanding how it all works together. And if they do understand how it all gets together, a lot of times what they're responding to is, is sort of a gospel of, of sin management. Um instead of the way the gospel is really trying to, to communicate about a, a new king and a story of redemption. I, I, just, I want to put this out there because I, I think even some of our best anglers, even some of our best anglers from time to time look at their surroundings and say, man, it doesn't look like the fish are biting. And I just want to encourage you, the fish will bite. People are looking for significance. People are looking for what is missing. People, people are looking for Jesus. They just don't know it yet. And it's our job. It's our job to come in and to help them understand what the gospel is all about. Please, please don't get to a place in your life where you judge your efforts of sharing the gospel and by, by really judging the other person. You know what? The gospel may be veiled to them, and unless you are Paul, just be very wary of saying they've been blinded. Maybe. Maybe they've just been blinded to you. Maybe, maybe we just need to add a story so the gospel makes sense. And that's what leads us to this. Um, Next Generation uh, for Christ is a, is a resource um, that has been founded by a friend of mine by the name of, of James Norred. Uh, he's a member of the Church of Christ, and he, uh, he got his uh, PhD, or his doctorate in ministry, rather, uh, from Fuller Seminary in California. I was telling Vicki earlier today, uh, when I was kind of coming up with a presentation of the, the story of God in six acts, he was working on uh, a master's thesis, basically... Uh, a gospel presentation using the same thing. Had no idea each other were working on this. And when I went out to look for resources that I can kind of plug in and into this six-act play, I discovered this site. And it was like, dude, you're doing what I was trying to get, get ready to develop, uh, a way of presenting the gospel in six acts uh, that shares the entire story of Scripture, not just the get-out-of-hell-free card, right? But the entire picture of, of, of scripture and, and really provides a context for the gospel. And he's done it in a way that I believe 
is, is fantastic for the next generation, right? It's very image-driven. Um, he has uh, gone around the world putting together really high-quality uh, videos to help introduce and explain and ask questions. Um, how many of you guys are familiar with like the old Jewel Miller film strips, right? Um, this is not Jewel Miller's uh, film strips, right? This is uh, HD, high-quality, grace-centered, all-about-Jesus, story-driven gospel. And it is phenomenal. And uh, I'll let him introduce a little bit more. Can you turn the volume up? So this is just the beginning of uh, of this series, but um, I've talked to the uh, to the elders. We've actually subscribed to his uh, his mission site. Uh, we have access to these videos, to to everything we're going to go through for the next four weeks, five weeks rather. We're going to step through a five week um, presentation of the story of redemption. And uh, they have videos that go along with it. They have discussion questions that go along with it. All of which that will be resourced as a church from this particular website. The, the goal is that we'll have a tool. One of the challenges of, of, of encouraging a whole church to be about discipleship is saying, okay, you got it, go for it. And not really equipping or tooling them uh, for the actual process of, of making disciples, of sharing the gospel in a contextual way. And so we're going to go through that together as a church, and uh, that'll bring us into the new year. I'm going to end this morning. I told you to be quick today. I'm going to end this morning with three reasons, three reasons, three motivations for discipleship that move us towards discipleship. The first one is 
as a believer in Christ, we should be compelled. Right? There should be an internal compel, a compulsion for us to share the gospel with other people. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 and 15 says, For Christ's love compels us, Paul says, because we are, uh, we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Right? Uh, the Bible is very, very clear about this, that when you experience the forgiveness of God, when you experience the love of God in your life, in your heart, you begin to want to share that news with other people. This is how it works. Um, uh, I've been learning uh, about ABA, both from my wife who practices it, but also uh, in this drug and alcohol counseling thing I'm going through. Um, well, I'm learning to be a drug and alcohol counselor. That, let me clarify that. Um, <laughs> either way is okay. No judgment. Just saying. Um, so I've been learning about different philosophies of, of, of counseling. And um, they have a thing called uh, your preferred thing, right? With kids, if you want to help contrive an environment where they are going in the right direction, right, you have to discover what their preferred thing is. And guess what you do for little kids to discover their preferred things? You spend time and you listen. And guess what? Little kids tell you what they love. And so do we as adults. When I listen to you guys, I know you guys love things. I know you guys love Ohio State. I know some of you brave people love Michigan State. I know y'all love Popperkosh. I know you guys love uh, your family, your children. I know you love um, certain things because like, like all children, all you have to do is listen and you hear them talking about their preferred their preferred thing. I know some of you love shooting guns, right? I know some of you love hunting. Um, if people listen to you in your life, when they hear you love Jesus, do we talk about it? You feel that, comp that compulsion to say something about it, right? Like, and, 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 and I, I know, I know, I know it's a, there's a temptation for us to kind of hide that part away from others because, well, it's embarrassing for us for some reason or we're fearful or we're afraid of being judged or we don't feel like we have all the answers so we don't even open up the, open up the conversations. But I, all I'm asking you to do on, a, on an internal motivational level is just tell everyone about that guy you love. His name is Jesus. Amen? Tell them about him. We are compelled to proclaim the gospel. Number two, uh, we are commanded to proclaim the gospel, to make disciples. Matthew 20, 18 and 19a says, Then Jesus came to them, All authority and heaven on earth has been given to me. You know, anytime someone starts by saying, Hello, I am your commander in chief, there's a significance to that. Right? When Jesus is, is, is about to depart, he starts with, he doesn't start with, hey, buddies, come on, come on in. Gather around, my friends. He says, listen up. I'm in charge. He says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. 
Go. Make disciples. He connects his authority to his mission. He says, you need to do this not just because internally you love me, but externally I've told you. Go make disciples. Right? All churches, all churches, every church I've ever been with, I've ever been to, have have needed some development in discipleship making. But just because it is a developmental piece doesn't mean it's, like I said last week, doesn't mean that it's negotiable, right? We don't have to be perfect at it. God doesn't expect us to be perfect at it. He gives us the time to develop our skills. But don't confuse his approach and compassion as complacency. He wants us to make disciples. That is essential. It's one of those things we can't give up, right? We can't give up the table. And we can't give up the commission to go and make disciples. Right? We need this internal love that is just, hey, i got to tell you about this guy, man. His name is Jesus. He turned my world upside down. Oh, by the way, um, he also told me to share his story and the third thing, and this is a really neat thing, we're also promised connection. We are connecting with the God and Jesus whom he sent. Um, you know, there's this, uh, there's this con uh, conversation that goes around in 12-step uh, circles. When you get to the 12th step, you're not done. When you get to the 12th step, when you, when you get to the point where you have discovered uh, and you've worked for and you've been able to uh, grab a hold of recovery, the only way you keep holding on to recovery is by letting recovery go. The only way you move on, the only way you continue to mature, to continue your recovery process is by sharing that recovery process with other people. There is this uh, story in scripture of a, of a man with, uh, with a shriveled hand. He's, he's, uh, we would refer to him as a person who is lame. Scripture speaks of him as a, as a lame person. Uh, not lame as not cool, but lame as in uh, his hand isn't developed as it should. Um, I feel like I, I hear an angst in people sometimes. Like, I want to have uh, this personal relationship with God. And, and, and I want it to be real, and I want, it, I, want, I want to know him, and I want to spend time with him. And sometimes I feel like we, we miss the fact that he said he promised to show up for us. And where did he say he promised to show up with us? He says, and surely I'm with you when? Where did he say that? He said that in connection to his commission. He says, go, make disciples. I'm going to be there with you. That's where we meet him. I guarantee you, if Jesus, had, if Jesus was here today, um, if he was physically here today, you know where we would catch him? Sharing the gospel. That's what we catch him doing. If, if you want to, if you want to, you know, if you want to find uh, I've heard stories of, of friends whose, whose dads were like mechanics or, or wood shop guys. They said, if you want to find dad, you got to go out to where dad's working. Right? This is what this commission is telling us. If you feel like 
your personal relationship with God is a little underdeveloped, it could be that you're showing up for them, dining with them at the table, but you're not joining them on the mission. There's this great story I want to I want to tell you. Um, it's in the bulletin. I chose it because it just really reinforces what I'm saying here. Um, this is uh, written by a guy named Timothy Jones. Sometimes story or telling a story has as much effect on the teller as it does the listener. Martin Buber, uh, the Jewish philosopher, recalls, my grandfather was lame. Once they asked him to tell a story about his teacher, and he related how his master used to hop and dance while he prayed. My grandfather rose as he spoke and was so swept away by his story that he began to hop and dance to show how the master had done. And from that hour, he was cured of his lameness. He goes, when we tell the story of the master, we too experience his power. Right? Um, is, there, is there a part of your walk with God, your relationship with God, that feels a little underdeveloped? I'll be honest with you. I've been in church for my whole life. I'm 42. Uh, sharing the story of others. Helping others to be disciples, being disciples, is always the top of the list. I love church. I know how to do church. I know how to be a good Christian brother. I know how to do these things. But how do I make disciples? I guess what I'm trying to say is, say is uh, one of the challenges we have uh, in Christendom is we haven't fully matured. Everything in the world that fully matures reproduces after itself. Everything. This is the one area that, that, that churches kind of struggle with, that believers kind of struggle with. How do we make disciples? How do we not make consumers? How do we make disciples? People who are in love with Jesus. I, I promise you, I, I make a promise with you. If you will be about the business of our master, you will know him more. You will experience him more. You will share in that power. It will make your heart begin to beat again. Let's all be standing. <clears throat> I told you we started with a table. We had a table in the middle. And we have a table in the end. So I thought this, uh, this was a good way to go.
Well, we invite you to our tables. Uh, let's end this way. <clears throat> to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now, and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Be blessed, church.
Father in heaven, thank you so much for this beautiful day you've given us, Father. Thank you, Father, for your spirit that's dwelling here in this place. Father, I pray that as we listen to this message, this message of being called out disciples, Father, that we would be inspired, that, Father, we would um, be empowered to go into our community and to share the gospel. Father, thank you for Matt. Thank you for his preparation. And I pray, Father, that this service would be a blessing to all. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, good morning, church. Morning. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. Amen. You know, it's interesting. Uh, they always say, if you're an acting, never share the stage with dogs and with kids. Well, they say the same thing with preaching, except you're not supposed to share uh, preaching duties with potluck. It just doesn't work out that way. <laughs> so I'm very, uh, very aware that, uh, and I, I'm aware that you guys are aware, uh, that we have tables in the back, that there's food in the back, so there's a table behind us, there was sort of a table in the middle of service, and there'll be a table at the end. So that's, uh, that's good. I promise I'll, I'll get you there as quickly as I can. Um, let's dine a little bit on uh, the Word of God, though. Is that all right? Yeah. All right, so the story of redemption. Uh, we as a, a, as a church have been going through a process uh, most recently, um, really trying to rebuild momentum for 2019. Uh, and that process has, has, done, has basically taken us through three significant focuses. The first one is we are doing our best to discover our vision. We think we've got a pretty good handle on that now. Uh, the second thing we are doing is uh, developing a way to make disciples. Not the way to make disciples, as if there's only one but a way to make disciples because being intentional is important. And then finally, by uh, really deepening our spiritual rhythms, making sure that what we're doing as a church flows out of where we're going, right? So making sure essentially that um, decisions we make, directions we go, things we do are furthering what we're trying to accomplish. Just, it just makes sense that way. So uh, I want to draw your attention first and foremost to um, our website. Um, I'm going to have uh, Tracer do it. Uh, in a much better way than I have it right now. Uh, but right now, it's been sort of set up as a resource for us. I want to kind of step us through a couple of things on our, on our website, right? At the very beginning, you can see, of course, uh, a church family loving a small town. Um, the way it's set up right that uh, is because on your phone, most people interact with us first on their phone. Uh, you have to kind of put everything right in the middle. So it's a little less uh, fancy than it should be, and I'm sure... Uh, our web expert will fix that when, when we get to it. Um, but this is, uh, this is letting everyone know. Do you know that your church and your city wants to know that you're up to something? Your city wants to know that you're up to something. Uh, because most of the time, most, most cities think we're just kind of up to our own thing. And so it's important for our city to know that we're up to something. So our vision's right there on the, on the front page. Uh, one step in, of course, you have a, a mission, what our mission is all about. Uh, we are a church family doing what? Loving a small town. Okay. We are a church family doing what? Loving a small town. Awesome. The way we go about loving that small town is by building relationships, belonging to small groups, bringing ourselves and another person or others to church on Sunday, become, uh, becoming disciples, and blessing our city. That's how a church family loves a small town. We build, belong, bring, become and bless. And so there's some links there to kind of explain what we're up to. Um, another page that we have on, this is one that's been updated recently. I encourage you all to, to check it out. Um, this is our who we are and, uh, sort of page. It has some core uh, thoughts. It has our values that we've just gone over in our series. 
um, some core convictions, um, our explanation of inclusion with women in our church, as well as probably about uh, a four or five page explanation from scripture uh, explaining how God has used uh, women from the very beginning of the time uh, and, and will all the way through uh, to completion. Um, and so I encourage you to look at those things. Um, and then we also have a what you can expect page. I didn't put it on the slide here. Um, so people can read and see, hey, what kind of church am I going to experience when I show up? And, and then, of course, we have our discipleship resource page. Uh, this explains sort of the curriculum that we're using to make disciples. Uh, we have a discipleship 101 course, Living God's Love. We're learning about God's story, right? Discipleship 201, which is how do I fit into the story? How does my unique place in the story, what is my part, uh, what is my shape? Uh, Discipleship 301 is dealing with our hurts, habits, and hang-ups that we have uh, in our own story, right? Um, and then finally, what we're getting to this morning is Discipleship 401, which is how we share the story. So what is the story? What is my part? How do I fix my hurts, habits, and hang-ups within the story? And how do I share that story with other people? Um, and that leads us to this. That leads us to this. Um, these are dad jokes. Anybody, uh, well, you know, a good dad joke is one that Jeremy shared with us. Uh, uh, that's kind of a preacher joke, but it's a, it's a dad joke as well. Um, these are dad jokes, but these are the punchlines for the dad joke. Uh, let's see, you boil the heck out of it. Uh, they were cooked in grease. It's impossible to put down. Hilarious, right? Have you ever noticed that punchlines, apart from the narrative, don't really punch at all? You ever notice that if you get the answer without understanding the formula, it's just sort of orienting? Everyone understands those words. Everyone sees, you know, uh, they, they recognize words. They, they see how the sentence flows. But it doesn't really matter because if you don't have the rest of the joke, it just doesn't have any effect. The reason I bring this up is because I believe this is the challenge that we face in evangelism today. I believe this is the challenge that you and I will have uh, sharing uh, the story of God with other people. Um, the, or at least I, I, that's the challenge I hope we learn to overcome by sharing the story of God with other people. I see a lot of people, the way they approach discipleship is uh, delivering the gospel apart from a context for people to understand. And so you can talk about the death and burial and resurrection. You can talk about what Jesus has done and unfortunately, in our culture today, it doesn't have the same punch that it used to for a lot of different reasons. Oh, by the way, I won't leave you hanging, right? Uh, you boil the heck out of it. What was that? Let's see. Uh, how do you make holy water? Um, they were cooked in grease. Oh, yeah. Did you know that French fries were actually cooked or weren't actually cooked in France? They were cooked in grease. Uh, and then, of course, this is uh, this is Merlin's book. Um, it's impossible to put down. What do you mean? I've been reading a book about anti-gravity. Right? Once you add the story, once you add the rest of it, all of a sudden the punchline begins to make sense. Right? It may not be funny, but it still makes sense. Right? Uh, and the same is true when it comes to the gospel. Without the context, without the story, the gospel, the, what Jesus has done sometimes falls on deaf ears. In fact... If we're not aware of that, if we're not cautious of that, we have a tendency to assume there's something wrong with the ears. 
we have a tendency to assume maybe it wasn't my delivery of the joke, it was obviously them. They didn't have a good sense of humor. Sometimes we end up judge, judging the, the hearers of the word instead of evaluating how we present it. And I think it's very important that we, we, we caution ourselves from that because a lot of people are doing it. How many of you guys know who Francis Chan is? Right? I love Francis Chan. I know you love Francis Chan. Um, Francis Chan is one of my favorite speakers. I, I got a chance to see him a couple times in California. Uh, he built a, uh, a mega church uh, and then gave it all up and said, I need to go do house churches. House churches. I need to go build house churches. Um, because the mega church model became too uh, consumeristic instead of actual uh, converting people to Christ. It converted them to a really cool church. And uh, while that does make your numbers grow, sometimes it actually distances people further from Jesus. So he said, I can't do this. I can't be about this. He goes and begins to plant church and becomes wildly successful as well. If you've ever heard this guy, you know why. He has so much charisma. It is, and not just that it's his charisma, but he's got a ton of charisma. He's got a ton of ethos. And when he speaks, people listen. He's the guy that could persuade you to move to Alaska for the summers, right? He's, he's just that good at communicating. And, uh, and yet, at a recent, uh, upon a recent uh, missionary trip, he came back from Asia, um, and where he had tremendous success sharing the gospel with people. And he was just blown away by how quickly people in Asia were responding to the gospel. And he said on the flight back, you can read about this online, he says to his wife, Feel like you need to go and fish where the fish are biting. Um, and then he goes on to say some things like, and it seems like the pond where he's at, the fish aren't biting anymore. And then he, he references this passage in 2 Corinthians 4 16. He says, Rather we have, uh, I'm going to read it up here. Again. Whether we have renounced secret and shameful ways, we do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Uh, Church Leaders Magazine goes on to reference this and say, This passage, says Chan, convicted him that instead of preaching the truth plainly, he was too concerned with offending people. But that is not the example we see in Jesus, who asked his followers to be willing to be nailed to a cross. If people reject, said Chan, it's not because we need to be more clever about how we communicate. It's because they are blind to how worthy he is. I realized for years we keep trying different types of bait, but the truth is the fish just aren't biting. They're blinded. The, the, the remarks are, are startling to me for a number of levels, but probably the most is because he's been wildly successful. He has been, uh, he has been good and has effectively drawn thousands of people to Jesus. And yet he feels as if things are becoming more blind. Well, it's interesting. I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that our culture and society is moving further and further away from the biblical story. 
Um, people don't know their Bibles, y'all. <laughs> they don't know the story. They don't know the context. Um, they, they, they have a, an experience with grandma and grandpa when they come to church. Uh, at most, they, they just don't know the big narrative anymore. It used to. You used to be able to just present the, the punchline because everyone was reading the joke. Now people aren't reading the context. And so when the, the, the gospel is delivered, there's, there's no punch because they're, they're just not understanding how it all works together. And if they do understand how it all gets together, a lot of times what they're responding to is, is sort of a gospel of, of sin management um, instead of the way the gospel is really trying to, to communicate about a, a new king and a story of redemption. I, I just I want to put this out there because I, I think even some of our best anglers, even some of our best anglers from time to time, look at their surroundings and say, man, it doesn't look like the fish are biting. And I just want to encourage you, the fish will bite. People are looking for significance. People are looking for what is missing. People, people are looking for Jesus. They just don't know it. And it's our job, it's our job to come in and to help them understand what the gospel is all about. Please, please don't get to a place in your life where you judge your efforts of sharing the gospel and by, by really judging the other person. You know what, the gospel may be veiled to them, and unless you are Paul, just be very wary of saying they've been blinded. Maybe, maybe they've just been blinded to you. Maybe, maybe we just need to add a story so the gospel makes sense. And that's what leads us to this. Um, Next Generation uh, for Christ is a, is a resource um, that's been founded by a friend of mine by the name of, of James Norred. Uh, he's a member of the Church of the Christ, and he... Uh, he got his uh, PhD, or his doctorate in ministry, rather, uh, from Fuller Seminary in California. I was telling Vicki earlier today, uh, when I was kind of coming up with a presentation of the, the story of God in six acts, he was working on uh, a master's thesis, basically uh, a gospel presentation using the same thing. Had no idea each other were working on this. And when I went out to look for resources that I can kind of plug in and into this six-act play, I discovered this site and it was like dude you're doing what I was trying to get, get ready to develop uh, a way of presenting the gospel in six acts uh, that shares the entire story of scripture not just the get out of hell free card right but the entire picture of, of, of scripture and, and really provides a context for the gospel and he's done it in a way that I believe is is fantastic for the next generation right it's very image driven um, he has uh, gone around the world putting together really high-quality uh, videos to help introduce and explain and ask questions. Um, how many of you guys are familiar with like the old Jewel Miller film strips, right? Um, this is not Jewel Miller's uh, film strips, right? This is uh, HD, high-quality, grace-centered, all-about-Jesus, story-driven gospel, and it is phenomenal. And uh, I'll let him introduce a little bit more. Can you turn the volume up? 
seeking God, a lot of questions come to mind, such as, who is God? What is he like? Where do we come from? Why do we exist? And if there is a God, why is there so much pain and evil and suffering in the world? And on a personal level, does God have a plan for my life? My first year in ministry, I was serving with a group of Christ followers as a minister in the church. And there was a young girl in the group named Chelsea. And she was the sweetest, kindest little girl. And we found out one evening that she had leukemia. And just two days later, she passed away. And I can remember going to her notebook. And it was just God saturated, filled with thoughts and questions and holes about God. And she asked me to speak at her funeral, something no little girl ought to ever have to do. And it drove me to ask some of these same questions again. And so I went back to the Bible, looking for answers. The Bible is a big book, filled with a lot of smaller books. But overall, it tells just one story. A story of faith, hope, and love. And ultimately, a story of redemption. So this is just the beginning of uh, of this series, but um, I've talked to the uh, to the elders. We've actually subscribed to his uh, his mission site. Uh, we have access to these videos, to to everything we're going to go through for the next four weeks, five weeks rather. We're going to step through a five week um, presentation of the story of redemption. And uh, they have videos that go along with it. They have discussion questions that go along with it. All of which that will be resourced as a church from this particular website. The, the goal is that we'll have a tool. One of the challenges of, of, of encouraging a whole church to be about discipleship is saying, okay, you got it, go for it. And not really equipping or tooling them uh, for the actual process of, of making disciples, of sharing the gospel in a contextual way. And so we're going to go through that together as a church, and uh, that'll bring us into the new year. I'm going to end this morning. I told you to be quick today. I'm going to end this morning with three reasons, three reasons, three motivations for discipleship that move us towards discipleship. The first one is, as a believer in Christ, we should be compelled, right? There should be an internal compel a compulsion for us to share the gospel with other people. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 and 15 says, For Christ's love compels us, Paul says, because we are, uh, we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Right? Uh, the Bible is very, very clear about this, that when you experience the forgiveness of God, when you experience the love of God in your life, in your heart, you begin to want to share that news with other people. This is how it works. Um, uh, I've been learning uh, about ABA, both from my wife who practices it, but also uh, in this drug and alcohol counseling thing I'm going through. Um, well, I'm learning to be a drug alcohol counselor. That, let me clarify that. Um, <laughs> either way is okay. No judgment. Just saying. Um, 
So I've been learning about different philosophies of, of, of counseling, and um, they have a thing called uh, your preferred thing, right? With kids, if you want to help contrive an environment where they are going the right direction, right, you have to discover what their preferred thing is. And guess what you do for little kids to discover their preferred things? You spend time and you listen. And guess what? Little kids tell you what they love. And so do we as adults. When I listen to you guys, I know you guys love things. I know you guys love Ohio State. I know some of you brave people love Michigan State. I know y'all love Popperkash. I know you guys love uh, your family, your children. I know you love um, certain things because like, like all children, all you have to do is listen and you hear them talking about their preferred, their preferred things. I know some of you love shooting guns, right? I know some of you love hunting. Um, if people listen to you in your life, when they hear you love Jesus, do we talk about it? You feel that com that compulsion to say something about it, right? Like, and and and, and I, I know, I know, I know. It's a, there's a temptation for us to kind of hide that part away from others because. Well, it's embarrassing for us for some reason, or we're fearful, or we're afraid of being judged, or we don't feel like we have all the answers, so we don't even open up the open up the conversations. But I, all I'm asking you to do on a on an internal motivational level is just tell everyone about that guy you love. His name is Jesus. Amen. Tell them about him. We are compelled to proclaim the gospel. Number two, uh, we are commanded. To proclaim the gospel, to make disciples. Matthew 20, 18 and 19a says, Then Jesus came to them, all authority and heaven on earth has been given to me. You know, anytime someone starts by saying, Hello, I am your commander in chief, there's a significance to that. Right? When Jesus is 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 about to depart, he starts with, he doesn't start with, hey buddies, come on, come on in. Gather around, my friends. He says, listen up. I'm in charge. He says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Go. Make disciples. He connects his authority to his mission. He says, you need to do this not just because internally you love me, but externally I've told you. Go make disciples. Right? All churches, all churches, every church I've ever been with, I've ever been to have have needed some development in discipleship making. But just because it is a developmental piece doesn't mean it's, like I said last week, doesn't mean that it's negotiable. Right? We don't have to be perfect at it. God doesn't expect us to be perfect at it. He gives us the time to develop our skills. But don't confuse his approach and compassion as complacency. He wants us to make disciples. That is essential. It's one of those things we can't give up, right? We can't give up the table. 
And we can't give up the commission to go and make disciples, right? We need this internal love that is just, hey, I gotta tell you about this guy I met. His name is Jesus, he turned my world upside down. Oh, by the way, um, he also told me to share his story with you. And the third thing, and this is a really neat thing, we're also promised connection. We are connecting with the God and Jesus whom he sent. Um, you know, there's this, uh, there's this con uh, conversation that goes around in 12-step uh, circles. When you get to the 12th step, you're not done. When you get to the 12th step, when you, when you get to the point where you have discovered uh, and you've worked for and you've been able to uh, grab a hold of recovery, the only way you keep holding on to recovery is by letting recovery go. The only way you move on, the only way you continue to mature, to continue your recovery process, is by sharing that recovery process with other people. There is this uh, story in scripture of, of a man with, uh, with a shriveled hand. He's, he's, uh, we would refer to him as a person who is lame. Scripture speaks of him as a, as a lame person. Uh, not lame as not cool, but lame as in uh, his hand isn't developed as it should. Um, I feel like I, I hear an angst in people sometimes. Like, I want to have uh, this personal relationship with God. And, and, and I want it to be real. And I want, it, I want, I want to know him. And I want to spend time with him. And sometimes I feel like we, we miss the fact that he said he promised to show up for us. And where did he say he promised to show up with us? He says, and surely I'm with you when? Where did he say that? He said that in connection to his commission. He says, go, make disciples. I'm going to be there with you. That's where we meet him. I guarantee you, if Jesus had, if Jesus was here today, um, if he was physically here today, you know where we would catch him? Sharing the gospel. That's what we catch him doing. If if you want to, if you want to, you know, if you want to find, uh, I've heard stories of, of friends whose whose dads were like mechanics or or woodshop guys. They said, if you want to find dad, you got to go out to where dad's working. Right? This is what this commission is telling us. If you feel like your personal relationship with God is a little underdeveloped, it could be that you're showing up with them, dining with them at the table, but you're not joining them on the mission. There's this great story I want to I tell you. Um, it's in the bulletin. I chose it because it just really reinforces what I'm saying here. Um, this is uh, written by a guy named Timothy Jones. Sometimes story or telling a story has as much effect on the teller as it does the listener. Martin Buber, uh, the Jewish philosopher, recalls, my grandfather was lame. Once they asked him to tell a story about his teacher, and he related how his master used to hop and dance while he prayed. My grandfather rose as he spoke and was so swept away by his story that he began to hop and dance to show how the master had done and from that hour, he was cured of his lameness. He goes, when we tell the story of the master, we too experience his power. 
right? Um, is there is there a part of your walk with God, your relationship with God, that feels a little unreachable? I'll be honest with you. I've been in church for my whole life. I'm 42. Uh, sharing the story of others, helping others to be disciples, being disciples is always the top of the list. I love church. I know how to do church. I know how to be a good Christian brother. I know how to do these things, but how do I make disciples? I guess what I'm trying to say is, say is uh, one of the challenges we have uh, in Christendom is we haven't fully matured. Everything in the world that fully matures reproduces after itself. Everything. This is the one area that, that, that churches kind of struggle with, that believers kind of struggle with. How do we make disciples? How do we not make consumers? How do we make disciples? People who are in love with Jesus. I promise you, I make a promise with you. If you will be about the business of our master, you will know him more. You will experience him more. You will share in that power. It will make your heart begin to beat again. Let's all be standing. <clears throat> I told you we started with a table. We had a table in the middle, and we have a table in the end. So I thought this uh, this is a good way to go.
invite you to our tables. Uh, let's end this way. <coughs> to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now, and forevermore. Amen. 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 Be blessed, church.